Welcome to Food Friends. I'm Carrie. And I'm Sonia. We met in Los Angeles over 15 years ago as private chefs and haven't stopped talking about food since. We created Food Friends to share our stories and recipes with each other and you. We're so glad you're here. Have you ever walked by the root vegetable section at your local grocery store and thought, I know those are healthy and good for me, but I have no idea what to do with them? Or even how to tell the difference between a rutabaga, a turnip, a parsnip? Hi, it's Sonia. And this week, Carrie and I are talking all about root vegetables. We're demystifying them. We're talking about the unexpected ways we're using things like rutabaga, parsnips, celeriac, and sunchokes, and so much more. And technically, yes, we're including tubers as root vegetables. Tubers are things like sunchokes. And we're going to share recipes and tips for how to use root vegetables in easy ways that make any weeknight meal feel extra special, extra delicious, and extra nutritious. You're going to want to stay tuned to find out how to make root vegetables the star of your next dinner, including how to turn a rutabaga into a dish that you make on repeat. Keep listening to find out how. Hi, Sonia. Hi, Carrie. Couldn't be more excited today. This is like, <laughs> this is so my jam. I, I mean, I feel so connected to root vegetables. I named a whole restaurant after a root vegetable. I am just thrilled to be talking about this. I'm thrilled to be standing in your bright light today because <laughs> I really have mixed feelings about root vegetables. I feel like this, I love to come to the temple of root vegetables of Sonia <laughs> to like find out all the really fun ways to cook them because they're around and they're sometimes like not sexy, but they're really available and they get us through the winter. I want to clarify what they are. I think sometimes we think of root vegetables as a very limited category. Like you think of just like beets and carrots, parsnip, maybe potatoes, potatoes, but, but people don't in their head when you say root vegetables, I think they think of all these other, but I, but do you know root vegetables include onions, sweet potatoes, Turnips, ginger is a root vegetable. Turmeric, no, is te- really? they're technically root vegetables. Celeriac, sometimes called celery root, not to be confused with the root of an actual celery plant. They're different things. But thank celery, you for clarifying that because I wondered that as well. Yeah, it's not intuitive. Beets, obviously, horseradish, radishes themselves. Really? Yep, daikon and sunchokes. sunchokes. All of all of these are root v- vegetables. And okay, wait, I think like oh, I have two that. I think that you didn't mention, which oh, is yeah. the first line of my notes, which is what do you do with turnips and rutabagas? I, I don't know what to do with either of those. Thank you for queuing me up because I wanted to basically start with my love of rutabaga. No. And I think, really? yes, I do. I love rutabaga. I, I just bought one yesterday. I don't even know if I've yesterday. ever seen a rutabaga. Or like, what oh. do I do with a rutabaga? <laughs> I mean, I have, honestly have no idea. Is this the one that's like kind of purpley looking? It sort of looks like a radish. It looks a lot like a turnip. I think people have the hardest time telling between turnips and rutabagas. So okay. it is a little purpley, which a turnip can be. But a turnip is a always whiter with purple. And in fact, you can find tiny little white turnips. Often you find little Japanese white turnips. And then you find- Yeah, I've had those before. I've eaten those raw before, like from the farmer's market. Those are delicious raw. They're delicious. Those those are best thinly sliced on a mandolin, eaten in a salad raw, those turnips. But the bigger, heftier turnips, ones that are size of like a baseball or something, they're often purple and white and kind of radish shaped. 
you know, like that teardrop is shape. A rutabaga is also purpley, sometimes with a little green, but it has a much yellower exterior. It's not typically that white and it's firmer. It's like solid. Like turnips have a lot of water content. Rutabagas are starchier than turnips, but they're often side by side in the grocery store. Like when you go to that little section. Yeah. I got to be honest. You have such a beautiful way of explaining them, but I can't say that when I go to the grocery store, I'm going to be like, oh yes. And that is a turnip and that is a rutabaga. I know exactly which one is the difference one. Plus, which one is a radish? Radishes also look really similar. I, radish really doesn't look like a rutabaga. Well, I like mean, the big radishes or like the radishes I see at the farmer's market sometimes, those big like Japanese radishes or like those- Are you talking about daikon? Yeah, but then there's also some some ones that Wiser has. Those radishes look like rutabagas and turnips and then- really- But if you're not cooking with these things often, that's where you don't see the difference. I think the second right. you start cooking with them, you actually will show up and be like, that's a rutabaga and that's a turnip. Okay. Yeah. And I think rutabagas and turnips are the easiest to confuse. And even for me, sometimes I'm like, which one is this? Because if they're the same size and they're both purpley. So rutabagas, I love them, love them, love them. And I think they're so underrated. And my most basic use of rutabagas, I basically at this point don't make a vegetable stock or a chicken stock without one, but especially what? a vegetable stock. They this is add- such a revelation. You're like, oh, and by the way, every vegetable stock I make <laughs> includes a rutabaga. Like what? I've never even, <laughs> can't even identify vegetable and you're like, and no vegetable stock is without a rutabaga. <laughs> Turns out you learn something about your friends of 15 years every day. Oh my God. Uh, you're such a revelation, Sonia. So I really love, yeah, a, a vegetable stock with rutabaga. And I just want to say, because a turnip to me has almost like a gasoline vibe. Like it has like an astringency. <laughs> it has a pungency. It has a weird kind of note to it that turnips have. Whereas a rutabaga to me is pure earthy sweetness. Like it almost starts veering into beet territory. Or parsnip, would you say? Like, and yeah. you also revealed, yes. you know, at some point on this podcast that none of your vegetable broths are complete without a parsnip. Which That's I was also like, true. I was like, what? <laughs> there are so many times I can't even get a parsnip. Like, what are you talking about? Really? Oh, well, I, yeah, I guess there, maybe I just don't pay attention. I don't know. I feel like they're just such a winter item, but here we um, can find them all year round. But yeah, I'm sure that it might be harder in warmer climates, but they're always in the same section of the grocery aisle. In the produce section, you'll see parsnip, rutabaga, turnip, all kind of clustered together. So I just want to share a few ideas. We'll link yes, some recipes. Please tell me. But Help without me find getting, my way. Okay. A simple Parmesan bake rutabaga. So you take basically slices of rutabaga, put them in a casserole dish and top them with some oil, salt, pepper, and Parmesan. Chef's kiss. Delicious. Are you serious? Yes. It's that easy? Very easy. Uh, that sounds so like Midwestern casserole to me that makes me want to just do that. Yeah. It's not even, it's like a gratin, like a simplified yeah. gratin. If you wanted to make it a full gratin, if you like gratins, which is just having a bechamel sauce or adding just, cream, it's not even bechamel sauce. Cream. Yeah. yeah just really adding cream. Okay. Rutabaga cooked in cream, heaven, with a little oh scratch of nutmeg in there. Delish. Oh, wow. Love a rutabaga and cream. Love a rutabaga with Parmesan. Love a very simple mashed rutabaga. This will get into another recipe. That okay. I'm share, but, but literally just rutabagas, peeled, cubed, boiled, mashed, butter, cream, salt, pepper. Oh my God. I'm so grateful for your Eastern European roots in this moment. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what's funny? We didn't eat a lot of rutabaga growing up. I think it's just my affinity of root vegetables. I think I actually picked up my love of rutabaga 
I was briefly a home care assistant for a woman who had had a stroke. It was one of my really? um, summer jobs. Yeah. And I loved this woman so much. She was incredible. She was such an inspiration to me. She was a former piano teacher and she was just one of the sweetest, brightest people I'd ever met. And she would have me cook her recipes for her as part of my job. Like I would make her breakfast and sometimes I'd help her prep dinner because she was half paralyzed after her stroke. Oh, and so yeah. she had some soup or something with rutabaga. And it's where I really, I was like, rutabaga? Who cooks with this thing? <laughs> and um, I fell in love with it because of her. So you just never know oh. where these things are going to come from. Okay. And then yes. speaking of soup, rutabaga soup, cheddar broccoli, but with rutabaga or, or a simple vegetable soup, like your simple like carrot, onion, celery base, right? Garlic. Yeah like your basic, basic soup. But then instead of a potato, you add rutabaga and then maybe you puree it and you have a smooth, you know, pureed vegetable soup that you top with creme fraiche and some chives. Amazing. So good. That, that sounds incredible. And also I will say, because broccoli cheddar soup, now you're kind of talking my language. Like, And, <laughs> and also who doesn't love like a broccoli cheddar soup, right? Like it's such For a real. great thing. But it's way more fun to say a rutabaga soup. Like, you sound so fancy. <laughs> it's, it does. It sounds fancy and mysterious. So where does your brain go when you think of what to do with root vegetables or root vegetables in general? Well, what I was feeling when I was coming to this conversation, I was like, please, let's not talk about roasted root vegetables because (laughs) it's been done so many times. I just feel like people know how to do it. And also so many restaurants have roasted root vegetables and sometimes they're all carrots or all potatoes and sometimes they mix them with other things. I'm never excited about that. Are we like out of our roasted root vegetables? era as a culinary trend? Is it like, are we shifting into new territory collectively? Well, I mean, I think it's a bit of a workhorse recipe, right? It's like right. you can roast root vegetables and it will get the job done. But to me, it's not that exciting. All that being said, my first offering is a, <laughs> is roasted, a roasted root vegetable recipe, <laughs> um, which comes from when I was a personal chef. I did not grow up eating parsnips. I couldn't have even told you what they were when I started private chefing, but I came across this Martha Stewart recipe from like 15 years ago. It was carrot and parsnip fries. And basically what it is, is carrots cut into sticks, parsnips cut into sticks. If your parsnips are bigger, you want to remove their core. It's like kind of like a woody part of the core. Yeah. It looks like the inside of a carrot, but it's like woodier. It's It's, tougher. Yeah. It's like two. It tells you to remove it. Really? I've never known to do that with a parsnip. Yeah, it's like if you get like the really big ones, which I will say we had like a mistake in our garden and I thought I was planting one thing and I planted all these parsnips. And then when I finally realized what they were, they were so big and old that when I was working with them, I needed to take out the middle, this middle piece. So carrots cut into sticks, so easy. Parsnips cut into sticks, so easy. Roast them on a sheet pan. Once they're kind of there, you pull them out. You put a touch of maple syrup on them, just like the most minimal amount. You put them back in the oven until that kind of makes them like yeah. they're a little bit sticky and chewy. You don't, So you don't want to put too much on because it will kind of – then the maple syrup makes them kind of more soft and that's not okay. And if you leave it in too long, then it'll burn them. But it's one of those recipes that I saw kid after kid after kid and honestly adults too being like, wow, this is so good. Why is this so good? And my answer is like I don't – it just is alchemy, right? I don't know. It's, it's what, so what simple. What temperature do you – like to roast your parsnip and carrots at? I'm always in the 400 range. And you start out with the hot pan. So you get your pan, you put the pan in the oven first before you add vegetables. That's a more recent discovery for me. When I was personal chefing 15 years ago, I was not doing that. That was, you know, I was 
barely keeping it together. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I, this, this was so simple. And this was also before the craze of all these different colors of carrots. So like I was just roasting orange carrots and white parsnips and just the simplicity, honestly, it's a very simple and beautiful way to just have a roasted root vegetable. Um, and you know, it would also make a good fry in this way. Tell me. A rutabaga. A, a rutabaga. <laughs> <laughs> could have like the carrots, the parsnips and the rutabagas. So yeah, that's my first offering. And I do love the flavor of a roasted parsnip. Something special happens to it and it's really delicious. Yeah. I think even just a tray of roasted parsnips is such a good side. Yeah. Did you have one that you were yeah. another idea that you want to offer besides like all your rutabaga ideas, which <laughs> rutabaga gratin, rutabaga with Parmesan. I mean, I like want to make this now. Sounds so good. You know, I don't know if you saw the viral trend of Parmesan crusted potatoes where you like cut the potatoes and you put Parmesan underneath and you like roast them side down and they get this crispy crust. And then people started doing it with carrot. So when you were talking about your carrot fries, I was also thinking about Parmesan crusted carrots and how good that would be. I'm going to have to find a recipe and link that too. But when I was thinking about this conversation, the very first thing that came to mind is something that I made for you that you loved so much. And I I know where you're going going with this. I didn't think a lot about it because I guess it was just sort of a thing I made often. I didn't even recognize it as all that special, but basically I started at some point making a root vegetable mash instead of mashed potatoes, partly because I had a lot of clients who wanted to minimize their starch. And so I was always looking for ways to like, how could I get the feeling of mashed potatoes without mashed potatoes or without potato, right? Yeah. How could I have something that's creamy and soft and even white and maybe a little buttery or not. And so I started playing around. So I do like to add a little bit of potato to my root mash, but you can make this without. But what I include in it is celeriac, celery root, Mm -hmm. which looks kind of hairy and funny and bumpy (laughs) on the outside. And you just, you use a knife, not a peeler to just trim all the outside layer. And you'll kind of be like, wow, I lost a lot of my celeriac, but it will be great. You just have to sort of know that when you trim a celeriac, you lose a lot of it. It's like- There's a a lot of attrition. Yeah. It's like a pomelo or a big thing of citrus. Like it's just their peel. So I use celeriac, I use parsnip, and or sometimes I could use rutabaga or turnip or any combination with potato. And I don't even do measurements. I just make, I just go to the market. I I think about the amount I would need for mashed potatoes and then just gather up a bunch of vegetables that would make that amount. And remind me, you you boil them, right? You boil or steam, boil, right? I boil them. I mean, steam yeah. would be even more delicious, but I, that was too advanced for me then. I just, <laughs> I just cube them, cube them all around the same size, throw them in a pot of water, cold water, bring it up yeah. to a boil, simmer them until fork tender, you know, salt the water too so they get seasoned, drain them. But then what I always did, because I often was cooking dairy-free meals as well, is I just add a tremendous amount of olive oil, way more olive oil than you think, like at least a quarter cup, let's say for a a pot, you know, that was going to feed four to six. Wait, I'm going to totally interrupt you because this to me is the real, this is where the revelation is. When I think about mashed potatoes, I just think about this heavy dairy experience because if I'm going to eat a mashed potato, I want it to be like full of butter and cream. Yeah. And what is incredible about this root vegetable mash is the lightness of it, the lightness of the experience of it, given that it's also this rich, creamy root vegetable mash, but it just doesn't have the heaviness of the dairy. 
And can I just steal part of this conversation? Yes, of course. One of the things that I love that you do is that you grate one clove of garlic into it, which punches it. It gives it this like great garlic punch. And then you shower so many great herbs into it. So it's like this vegetable mash that has this white and green. And it's such an amazing side dish to have. Yeah. At some point, I will write a recipe and share it. But because I never use a recipe, it's really all technique. And you're right. Like what I do is I'll take a microplane, I'll grate raw garlic straight into the cooked mash. The heat of it cooks it a little, but it still has that sharpness that raw garlic has, which is actually, you want that flavor. One it, it cuts through. You don't want too much of it. No. Not not more than like a clove or two if you're like, you know, under the weather or something. Yeah. And this is really my grandmother's technique. This is what she would do with little potatoes. She would just boil potatoes and then put raw garlic and fresh dill in the pot and lots of olive oil and mix it up. And that was a delicious dish. So I kind of just took that and put it into a mashed form. So yeah, I often add tons of chopped parsley, tons of chopped dill. If you don't want dill, just add chopped parsley. If you don't want herbs, skip it. You could also add dried herbs to this olive oil and garlic and that's it. And you don't need cream or butter or anything, but you could easily take it in a creamy buttery direction. The idea is just to add the root vegetables themselves lighten this dish. They're waterier, they're fresher, they have different kinds of flavors. There's a lightness if it's not all potatoes. Like the, I think the mix of it is what actually tastes good. And I'm glad that you confirmed that this was one of your grandmother's recipes because I was wondering if I just, I always think of your grandmother when I make this. I'm always like, oh yeah. And this was like from Sonia's grandmother. And, but I wasn't sure if I just, like made that up in my head or I remember the first time I tasted this and I was like wait what like all of this olive oil in a mash is so I never would have thought to do that and it's so delicious and she never did a root vegetable mash she did like small little new potatoes covered in dill and garlic and olive oil but it was that idea that led me to create that this as the base and I love that's how it works it's like we're so influenced by the people around us yes. by each other. The fact that you make a version of this just yeah. warms my And then my I heart. think of your grandmother. She wasn't my grandmother. I didn't even meet her. So, know. you know, when you talk about lineage and legacy and these ideas that your sweet grandmother was making this and filtered into other people's families, mine. Well, it's it's awesome. just, it warms my heart. Okay. Speaking of warming my heart, I feel like you have at least a few more ideas up your sleeve. Oh, you know I have more ideas. I have so many (laughs) thoughts on this. Um, So my next idea that I want to offer is called Beautiful Soup. And it's actually a recipe that I received from our mutual friend, Jenny. Oh, Um, Jenny. Jenny. For for our listeners, Jenny, she's cranial sacral and other forms of healing. And she she invited us into the healing retreats that that were honestly a pivotal point in our food friendship. That's where we like went to the mat and we found our way back to each other. We were thrown into a high high stress environment and we had to figure out how to make it work. And it tested ourselves and our friendship and everything that we grew because of it. But Jenny also was such a witness to that. And she so valued what we brought to that experience. She's just one of my favorite people. She's one of my favorite people. So she probably gave this to me. It was well over 10 years ago. It's a recipe called Beautiful Soup from the New York Times, but it had been clipped from the physical New York Times and taped to a piece of paper and photocopied for me. So I 
I still have this recipe like in my closet of recipes. (laughs) And so whenever I want to make this recipe, I usually have to go digging through because I want to cook it from the place that it came from. Yeah. There's three things I like about this soup. Number one, it definitely delivers on its name. It is beautiful because it calls for two beets, which I know will make you happy. So if you can believe I brought you- But it's a beet soup, but it's not a borscht. It's not even a beet soup. It's a vegetable soup. And it has beets in it. Red beets or golden beets? Red beets. And then it also has tomatoes in it. So let me describe to you the color of the soup, which is like, it's not that bright tomato soup, pureed soup. And it's not like the sort of darkness of a vegetable soup that also has beans in it. It has this sort of lovely purpley color because of the beets and then the, the mixing with the tomatoes. So the color itself is very unusual and very beautiful. Second, the base flavor of this soup is butter, onion, tomato, just like that Marcella has on the, the tomato sauce that has the butter and the onion in it. Yeah. Like that is the base of the soup. It's like it has a lot of butter. You cook onions into it and then you add tomatoes. And so it has this really beautiful savoriness. And the other thing I love about this soup is that it's like a true veggie soup. It's brothy and full of vegetables vegetables. And you can make this vegetarian by using veggie broth. I think the recipe actually calls for like a chicken broth, which would make it a little bit richer, but it's very brothy. You feel so virtuous eating it because it's just like full of vegetables. And then you add a bunch of herbs at the end, which of course they call for dill as well. And you can serve it with some crusty bread. What are the vegetables in the soup? Well, it's like carrot, celery, onion, a potato, a beet. I think you can put any of your root vegetables into this. Because when you're just describing it, it sounds so much like borscht, like literally, because borscht also has tomato. It also has peats. It also, but it also has a lot of cabbage, which I didn't hear you say. It doesn't sound I, there's like this. No, there's, so no, there's no cabbage. cabbage. No. Okay. So it's like the way you, I would say it, it's like a diced vegetable soup. There's just diced vegetables That happens to have beet and tomato. And so if you're having all the root vegetables, uh, root vegetables are onion, carrot, celery, potato, beets. Those are all root vegetables. Yeah. Then you're adding tomato and butter for flavor and acidity and then you're adding your broth whatever it may be and then you could add whatever other chopped you could add parsnip rutabaga there's something about it that feels a little elevated because it's all these you know you want to chop your vegetables or I guess the way I've done it is like I've chopped my vegetables uniformly and so there's a prettiness to it it's sort of like composed in that way so it's like a beautiful Um, diced vegetable soup and you're spooning out all these colorful vegetables in this colorful hued broth yeah yeah and, and I'll just be honest with you. When you said this sounds a lot like borscht, I've never made a borscht. I always think of borscht as pureed soup, but I know that's not true, no, right? Yeah. You're sh- really shaking your head. It's no, it most it can borscht, be right. True borscht is not bur- pureed. A cold oh. beet soup, which gets confused with borscht, okay. is pureed. But traditional borscht, as it's served in. Ukraine in the Soviet Union is not pureed and it's hot. It's not cold. And I think a lot of people when they hear borscht, they think it's a cold soup somehow. And whenever like pureed cold soups became in vogue, <laughs> like chilled soups became in vogue, I think that got into the psyche here in America as that's borscht because there's a lot of pureed beet soups. I'm going to take a look at the recipe and I'm also curious what the herbs are because they could be different. Like, you know, I don't, I guess I'd have to look at the recipe again. I need to we'll just- We'll definitely link it and we'll so everyone it. can yeah. can explore more. I'm glad you brought up 
up soup because it wasn't on my list. And I think soup is one of the best homes for root vegetables. And especially since root vegetables are a winter vegetable and there's no shortage of need for soup during the colder months. But I want to throw it in a different direction from soup and go to the other end of the spectrum, which is what I also love to do with root vegetables. It's a category, which is shredding them. And- I think that the kind of shred matters. So the root vegetable I want to talk about most is celeriac. I love celeriac. Celery root is also what it's called. But again, not to be confused with the actual literal root of a celery. Okay, that's helpful. Yeah, it tastes like celery. It has celery notes, but it also is a little sweeter than celery. It's a little more carrot-like in flavor than celery. I'm going to say, I feel like, isn't it a little bit nutty? Yeah, I would say nutty is fair. Yeah, so I basically, this is a very traditional French approach to celeriac, the one that I use. But I first learned it because growing up, I had a stepmother who was originally from England, and she would make this a lot for Shabbat lunch for our tradition at their house, my dad in her house was that she would make a whole spread of salads. And one of the salads that was staple at Shabbat lunch, because you can make it a day ahead of time or two days ahead of time. So the great thing about, because you're not supposed to cook on Shabbat. So usually you make stuff ahead of time so that on Saturday, it's already all prepared. You pull it out of the fridge and all you do is shred celeriac and you add mayonnaise, salt and pepper and lemon juice. That's it. I am telling you, Carrie, my husband hates mayonnaise and he loves this salad. This is like, it has to have mayonnaise. It can have vegan mayonnaise. It can have whatever mayonnaise you like, but it has some mayonnaise. And this is the other key to the salad. It has to be grated. You know, in a box grater, there's the bigger hole and the smaller hole. I'm not talking about the sides, the main widest sides of a box grater. There's two different sides. And when you shred potatoes, you usually use the medium size hole, the slightly bigger hole. That's on one side because that's great right. for a shredded potato. And then there's a smaller hole on the other side. It has to be that size for the celeriac salad. A bigger medium kind of shred does not work. It has to be finely, finely shredded. So food processor doesn't work for this. And it's there so is, simple. It's so simple, but there really is food science to the flavors that come from shredded root vegetables. Like the way you cut a root vegetable affects its flavor and the size of the shred impacts its flavor. I will link an article about this because I just found it. Yeah, I'm so curious. I love to know this. And so the other complimentary salad I make with this And again, we like to have this for Shabbat, but we also like to have this whenever I have celeriac around. Mayonnaise, lemon, salt, and pepper. Sometimes I throw chopped parsley in there too because parsley- That's so simple. It's so simple. It's so good. It's almost like a dip. It's like you're not eating like a mountain of it. You're eating like a small scoop on the side. I feel like I would want to I would want to like put it on top of a cracker, right? That's exactly right. It's like a great little appetizer. It's like almost on the border of a dip. Like how if you had chicken salad, you'd want to like pile it on a cracker. Like that. Yes. Yes. This celeriac salad. Yes. I would want to pile it on a crunchy cracker. And the complimentary salad that I make that also has to be shredded on that side of a box grater and only that side of the box grater, the small hole, is a carrot salad. She would always make a shredded carrot salad. Shredded carrot tastes much sweeter than cut carrot, lemon juice. And then sometimes she would throw currants in there and olive oil. So no mayonnaise. So I do lemon, olive oil, sometimes a lot of currants or sometimes some chopped pecans shredded carrot, parsley if you want, mint if you want. And those salads stay good for days in the fridge. So I like doing kind of a big batch. People just love a little spread of salads. And then if you want to get real root vegetable happy, you could make a little beet salad. And But I also have been lately doing a lot of salads with greens and then getting my mandolin out 
and then shaving the candy striped beets. The, you know oh, those they're like, so pretty. They're those they're pink so pretty. Beets. Yeah. And I shave them as thin as possible into a salad. I've been really living for that lately. I do like beets shaved that way. Like so, so thin. And I'm always wooed by how pretty they are. We do eat with our eyes first. Right? We do. And yeah. they, especially in the winter when there's so few colorful vegetables, you don't have the tomatoes and the peppers of summer. It's just nice yeah. to have a pop of color. Totally. Okay. I have one left that I came across that is aspirational, I'll say. Okay. But I, it's a really interesting idea. And the recipe is written one way, but I can think of a different way to, to do it. But it's a sun choke and kale hash. I'm so happy you're bringing up sun chokes. I even feel a little lost around sun chokes. Well, I got to say, so, you know, so I've shared, you know this very well, but there was a, f- a family farm that I used to volunteer for, the Santa Monica Farmer's Market. And I feel like sunchokes kind of burst on the scene when I was working for them. And there was this man that I worked with who was a retired drummer. He had been like Neil Diamond's drummer. Like he Ooh, was like a fancy. He was, it was one of those very <laughs> LA things where like yeah. this really sweet man that I worked with, he had worked with Neil Diamond and someone else too. Like, I can't remember. I would have to ask Alex, but he he would always wear these purple gloves when he was working at the stand. And I remember the, the LA Times came by one day and they took a picture of him holding a handful of sunchokes and they put it in the LA Times. And that kind of kicked off, maybe not for everyone, but certainly for me, like this love of sunchokes. And I think sunchokes look a little bit like ginger. It's a it's a root and it's sort of nubbly like ginger. And they call it a sunchoke because it really does taste like an artichoke. There's such a sweetness of it. And the only way I've ever really worked with them is just I roast them, you know, in like a very basic way. What's great about a sunchoke and, – and people say like they put sunchokes in with like a potato, mashed potatoes, which adds this really lovely, sweet flavor to it. So I've done that too. But they caramelize really well. They caramel – I was to say at the deli, we sometimes made – sunchoke salads in the winter where you just we cut little rings of them you know oh, just cut them yes. in circles I know we're not talking about roasted root veg but we roasted them <laughs> but they get so much more they really get caramelized like true caramel yes. color and they're less starchy so they're not yeah. like they're not meaty the way a potato is they're, they're more chewy and caramely so this recipe that I found by John and Vinny which as you know like these are two chefs that have a lot of restaurants in Los Angeles it was a recipe that they developed and it's sunchokes and kale but there's also farro in it and mushroom and onions. So their way of doing it is you soften the vegetables, like you boil the sunchokes and you boil the farro, and then you kind of get your onions going and you get your mushrooms crispy, and then you add your sunchokes to this hash and you brown them, like saute brown them, and then you add kale at the end and add some farro in there. And to me, this is such a great place to use leftover farro. And this to me sounds like a sheet pan meal. So like mushrooms, roast it. Mushrooms, onions, sunchokes, roast them until they're, you know, caramely and brown and then add the kale at the end and kind of like wilt it slash get it a little browned and some of that farro. And what I would do is add like some kind of really great cheese here, a halloumi, which you could mm. also get like a little bit toasty. And this is a great vegetarian meal. Boy, I love it's that. interesting. I feel like you touched on something interesting. Well, their tip is 
to pre boil to boil the sunchokes a little so that you're not working with the raw product. And yes. I think that's really smart. It's almost like what you would do with a smashed potato. But I love this idea of instead of doing it in the skillet, do it in the oven. And you could even do it in a cast iron skillet. In the in oven. In the oven. Totally. And it could be almost with the cheese, it could almost be casserole in the best way. In right? The best way. Totally. Oh, that's a great way to think about it. Yeah. Cause when I was reading the recipe, when I read pre boil this with a pan, I'm like, I don't want to <laughs> do that. Carries out. Not you want one extra step. No, thank you. I don't you. want those extra pans <laughs> or all those greens recipes that are blanch all the greens and then you saute them. I'm like, I am not going to do that. I'm just not. It's such an annoying pro- step in the process. I think is a great thing about this recipe that you found is that it's taking a sunchoke and using it and having it shine, but diluting it with other ingredients. And I'll tell you why, because I don't know if you know this, but They're I think you know flatulent. where I'm going. Yeah, well, no, I think they constipate you. I think No, they do I thought s- that they make you farty. They can cause digestional aggravations. Yes, so yes. The point is chokes like, are known for a little bit of digest- digestive aggravation, right? So I like this idea of using them, but not having it be like a pure sunchoke dish, yes. because yes. that might be a little tough on the tummy. And then yeah. having this all but still getting all that beautiful flavor I they're think worth is, it the flavor yeah. is worth it but just don't make a sunchoke dish on your first date <laughs> that's a great tip <laughs> or for like a, an intimate dinner party at your house leave the sunchokes out <laughs> don't do it for date night <laughs> don't um, do sunchokes for a date night but definitely maybe on a <laughs> night when you're home alone <laughs> uh, I think this is a perfect note to end yeah, on agreed. I think this is such a fun way to think about root vegetables I'm really inspired. I can't wait to hear about your rutabaga adventures because I feel like you're going to try it. I'm going to go deep with the rutabagas this season. I can't (laughs) wait. It's so fun. All right. Well, I'm going to go eat something now because I'm starving and I'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for being our food friend. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe, leave us a review and share this episode with friends. We love hearing from you, so follow us on Instagram or drop us a line at foodfriendspodcast.com. Yes, we'd love to hear from you and your food friends. Happy cooking and eating. Oh, oh, oh.